I am a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I am very so thankful that I have him in my life. I um, was reading something today and it said that, you know, without God, life would be unbearable. And I believe that's true. Um, and I'm working on some issues of pride and stubbornness, and my name's Jonathan. And when I was working on this lesson for tonight, I actually, on my notes, it says, the title is, You Might Be Insane. And when I say you might be insane, I want you to understand something. I'm not talking about things in the context of a clinical diagnosis or a legal diagnosis. I'm talking about thinking in ways that lead you to poor emotional states, destructive actions, poor decisions, and that keep you stuck in your hurts, habits, and your hang-ups. And I've been thinking a lot about how you and I do insane things. In fact, for the past month or so, I've been thinking about it and collecting things from just observation in myself and other people. And so I have a long list here. And so, as I go through this list, I'm more than happy to have group participation. So when I say you might be insane at the end of many different things. Feel free to just say, I might be insane, or you might be insane. As I do this, you're also going to notice that there are people you recognize. You're going to say, that's ah, just like that person over there. That's just like my husband, my wife, my best friend, that guy in share group. But I don't want you to really focus on that. I want you to think about where you're insane. What's crazy about the way you think? What's the deranged thinking? So here's a list of ways that you might be insane. If you complain about something to everyone except the person or persons who can actually do something about it, you might be insane. If you tell yourself that one drink, one donut, one drug usage, visiting one porn site, and the list goes on, won't matter to your recovery, you might be insane. If you say, well, I'm only hurting myself, you might be insane, right? If you ask your sponsor, accountability partner, your friend, your family member for help and advice, oh, maybe your pastor or your small group leader, and then you tell them all the ways their advice is wrong and won't work, and then you ignore it, you might be insane. If just now you said to yourself, well, Jonathan, they just don't understand. I tell you, you're insane. They understand more than you know. And if you say, well, at least I'm not as bad as that person over there, you're definitely insane. If you think another person, I got lists here. If you think another person is the reason or the cause of your hurt, your habit, or your hang-up, you might be insane. And if you think you'll be okay if the other person just changes, if that person changes, then I'll be okay, you're, you're insane. If you think other people or situations are responsible for your problems and your feelings, you might be insane. And if you think your feelings are always telling you the truth, you are definitely insane. 
If you've read some books and articles and websites on recovery and psychology, and then you try to diagnose or fix or give advice to people rather than working on your own stuff in a program like this, you're insane. If you think continuing to work towards recovery, doing what you've been doing for years, is somehow magically going to work this time, you might be insane. If you spend more time on social media than you do in praying and studying God's Word, you're definitely insane. That's right. If you tell yourself, I can manage this situation okay on my own, you might be insane, eh? If you believe you are beyond help, you're insane, because you're not. If you think those that love you have given up on you, man, are you insane? Insane. If you think you're so bad God could never love you, you're definitely insane. And if you believe God has abandoned you, you are insane. And if you believe your life has no good purpose, you are also insane. I got more. If you get angry and the people you love get the spill out from your anger and your rage and your frustration, then you might be insane. And if you isolate from others when you need help the most or you go and hang around with the wrong people, you're insane. And if you passively wait for your spouse, your parent, your child, your friend, your pastor to read your mind and instinctively know what you need from them, what? Are you insane? Yeah. And if you think you are the only one in the entire world with the kinds of problems you face, well, wake up, because that's insane. And if you have, to, yeah, there's, so there's always somebody going to say, well, yeah, there's an ex I'm an exception. And if you think you're the exception, only one like you in the entire world, you're insane too. That's another sign. If you spend more time worrying about your situation than you do taking positive action, that's kind of insane too, isn't it? And if you have time for all sorts of whinging, complaining, whining, moaning, groaning, by the way, could we do that for a minute? Could everybody just choose a word? Whinge, whine, groan, moan, complain, and just say it over and over. Whinge, come on, here, I want to hear you. Oh, come on, enthusiasm. I want to whinge, moan, groan, cry, complain. Has anything gotten really better as a result of that? And yet some people go through their entire lives doing that, don't they? That's insane. It's insane. If you've been thinking about accountability, but you haven't really looked for accountability partners or a sponsor, I mean, you haven't looked at all. You just think about it. Usually about three in the morning. You might be insane. And if you hold resentments against people who are no longer in your life, you might be insane. And if you hold resentments against people who still are in your life and you don't address it with them or talk about it or get some help or some counseling, that's insane. And if you hold, if you think nobody knows that you are struggling, <laughs> yeah. the mask, it's like that song, right? The people who know you know when you're struggling. 
If you believe everyone else has an easier life than me, and usually accompanied by the sounds of violins, right? You might be insane. And if you believe you can cherry-pick Scripture out of context to suit your agenda to preach at somebody else, you might be insane. So, do you get the idea? I actually cut my list down. That's about 30 or so. But I could just do this all night. But the, what are we going to do about this? What can restore your sanity? So what can restore your sanity? Well, first of all, it's not a what, it's a who. So let's look at step two. Step two says, We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And as Christians, we know who that power is. It's Jesus. God is our higher power. Philippians 2.13 reminds us, For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The implication here is that God has great pleasure in working in our lives and bringing us to a new, a new self in him. We are insane when we keep trying to get better, to get sober, to get calmer, to get more emotionally mature, to eat healthier, you know, the list goes on. When we are stuck in doing the same things, using the same strategies over and over. That's being stuck in a kind of derangement syndrome. So let's look at several ways to start getting sane about our hurts, habits, hang-ups, our addictions, our afflictions, our worries, our concerns. So one of the first steps to sanity, which I define as good thoughts and decisions and actions based on objective truth, is to first of all recognize your need for that power greater than yourself. And that's really hard sometimes, isn't it? I mean, there's a surrender that's part of this. And I don't know about you, but I want to do it all myself sometimes. Even though I have lots of objective, observable facts in my life that say I can't do it on my own. But I'm stubborn that way, and that's insane, and some of you have that same insanity. So we, we know who that power is. As I said earlier, it's Jesus. It made me think of this. Uh, today I, I was uh, going through my notes again, and I was thinking of a song we used to sing when I was a kid. And some of you might remember this. We sang it at church. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Remember that one? Some of you remember that? And when I was a little kid, I'll hail the power of Jesus' name, and we sang that. The image in my mind was of Jesus. It was sort of like a painting, like a bad painting on the wall of our church in Pennsylvania. And, you know, there was this Jesus in this robe, and he was surrounded by this, all this light, but he was huge in my mind. And I imagined all these angels, as I perceived them as a child, all, you know, with their wings and all that, just face down in front of them, and all of them, and that was awe-inspiring in my mind. I'll hail the power of Jesus' name, let angels prostrate fall. But the, what it says is that there's power. That it, our power comes from God. It comes from, from uh, the Lamb, from Jesus. And that's really the kind of higher power you and I need. I love 
Psalm 46, the first three verses, it says, God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. So the first step to sanity is to recognize you need that power. The second step is to recognize that our strength, yours and mine, our strength to change comes only through complete surrender to God. Over the years, I've learned that this is a real sticking point, as I said, for lots of us. It's daunting and scary proposition for those of us who want to control everything, but, and you know who you are, right? Uh, we know when we're stuck there. It's terrifying to consider surrendering, but it's also insane not to do so. You can, have you ever... Done, done, been on the monkey bars as a kid or those where you're swinging from bar to bar until you let go of one you can't make progress you have to surrender and to move and we have to do the same kind of thing to move in our lives and the next step to sanity is to focus on the truth not my truth or your truth or his truth but objective godly truth a life based on a lie is not much of a life, and it's unsustainable. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus is replying to his disciple Thomas. And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When we seek the truth, we inevitably arrive at Jesus and the Word of God. Jesus also told us in John 8, 31, uh, John 8, 31 to 32, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth and the truth. It's important to say these things out loud. I love Winston Churchill's quote. He said, Men occasionally stumble over the truth, but most of them pick themselves up and hurry off as if nothing had happened. And that's unfortunately quite true, I think. It's an insanity. And when you find truth, it's important to embrace it and to act on it. That's one of the reasons I say we need to, it's insane not to be in the Word of God. So the first three things I've talked about were really about coming to an awareness, recognizing the need for God, recognizing your strength comes from Him, and then focusing on objective biblical truth. The next three are implementations of these steps. So the next thing we need to do is to develop a relationship with God. Just like good friendships and good marriages take work, effort, we have to be conscious and involved. So too a relationship with God isn't something that comes about because you did your devotions for 10 minutes and then life was, you know, went on as usual with the same crappy choices and bad behaviors and poor decisions and bad thinking patterns and so on. Do you pray more than you gossip or complain? You don't need to tell me, but you need to think about it. Remember that Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount that we are to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and everything else would be added to us. So first of all, we are to seek His kingdom. That's the paramount thing that we are to do. And interestingly enough, I would suggest to you that when you are truly seeking His kingdom, you become kinder to your family, you become 
more conscious in how you deal with your colleagues, clients, friends. You make better decisions and you stop making excuses because God's kingdom, seeking his truth, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, doesn't leave room for us to wallow in self-pity. I'm not saying we never go there, but if you're going there, ask yourself, am I searching and seeking God's kingdom? Don't let anything come before that. The next thing is that we need to learn to live lives with integrity. Develop friendships with people who are committed to their walk with Jesus. Develop friendships with people who are open and honest about their own issues. It's uh, it's sad when we see people that we know and love and care about who are stuck in denial. And uh, I've talked to several people I know and invited them to this program, and uh, that's for those people. So just so you know, you're those people. We're all those people. So welcome. I like this club. <laughs> So when you learn to walk with integrity, that means that you set up ways to be accountable to others so that you can encourage one another and pray for each other. So you you want to be accountable to others, have other people who are accountable to you. And avoid people who just want to fix you. You know, I I read a book. You read this book, you'll be fine. I mean, I'm not saying don't take useful advice from people or share good ideas, but there are those who are not working on their own stuff want to fix. And that's not really helpful. So that is a reminder that when we develop integrity, we're also working on developing boundaries, good emotional boundaries. Doesn't mean we have to be mean or nasty or rude, but we develop them. And next, and I think this is by far the most important, we need to accept God's amazing transformative love that he has for you and for me. I want to read you a passage of Scripture. It's not going to be up on the screen. But it's a reminder of the amazing grace and mercy of a loving Father who takes us as we are and loves us. This isn't to suggest that he loves the despair or pain or bondage you are in, even though he cares for you and he wants to help you in those dark places. In fact, he wants to provide a way out. So he he hates the sinful life, but he loves you. He loves me. So this is from Romans 5, 6, 8. It's a very well-known passage. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He he didn't do it because you're a good guy or good woman. He did it because he loved us. He created us in his image. He wants us to have a relationship with him. And so he died and rose again so that we can have transformed lives. He wants to lift us up to this new life. And I love this passage from 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So to summarize, 
Regaining sanity is an ongoing process, isn't it? You've probably noticed. You'll have moments of insanity and longer moments of clarity as you work towards your recovery. I think it looks kind of like this. We live in a world of insanity. We're insane most of the time. Things are bad. We struggle. We're in pain. We're angry. We're despondent. We feel helpless and hopeless. And then we start working the steps. We start working towards our recovery. And a light starts to shine into our lives, the light of Christ, when we seek truth. And so we still have this dark side, but there's light coming in. And the farther along you are in your recovery, the greater the light shines. Now, that doesn't mean we don't occasionally dip back in here to check it out. That's kind of insane, and we recognize it, and it's time to move back into the light and to work the steps. So to summarize, I want to go through the six points I made, just one line each. And you might want to put some of these up, for, take a picture for share group, discuss them. Recognize your need for the higher power of Jesus. Recognize the need for complete surrender to Him. Remember to seek objective truth. And then develop a deep relationship with God. Work on your life of integrity. Get new friends and accountability partners. And then surrender and accept God's transformative love for you. Notice that to accept it just is a change of attitude. It's not, you don't have to do anything. Just say, okay, God, I accept this. And some people say, is that it? Well, yeah, kind of, it is. And I want to give you some action steps to help you with these, so to help you renew your mind. So you might want to take a picture of this, share group leaders as well. Number one, invest lots of time studying the Bible and in prayer. That's key. Secondly, hang out with those who encourage and help your recovery and who will hold you accountable. By the way, I, it's not up here on the slide, but when you're in Bible study and prayer, one of the things that's a really worthwhile thing to do, and Janet has talked about this several times in the teaching she's done, read the Bible aloud. Personalize it. Personalize it. Hang out with those who encourage and help you your recovery and will hold you accountable. Attend a Bible teaching church regularly. If you, if you don't have a church, you're welcome here. It's Cedarview. There's lots of wonderful churches out there. Go to meetings. Hey, if you're struggling with alcohol, go to AA meetings. Come here, but go to AA meetings too. If you're struggling with food, go to Overeaters Anonymous. If you're studying drugs, you might go to, go to an NA meeting. Or if you're struggling with addiction, and problems in your family, you might go to uh, Naranon or Al-Anon. You might also go to, uh, you know, there, there's lots of different groups out there. So check them out. Next, encourage others. That's part of a, the 12th step, isn't it? To take it into our lives and with others. And work the 12 steps. Keep coming back. Remember, we've talked about how these 12 steps aren't linear. One, two, three, four, five. They're circular. They're interlocked. It's like a puzzle. And so 
we need to work all of them consistently. I'm wondering, uh, Connor, could you go back to, I just want to do something with one of these slides. Slide number five, God is our refuge and strength. I want you to say this after me, personalize it. God is my refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, I will not fear, though the earth gives way. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam. Though the mountains tremble at its swelling. God is my refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the promises you make in Scripture to us. Help us to overcome the insanity of our lives by delving into your word, by spending time in prayer, by recognizing the transformative love and acceptance you have for us, your desire for us to be well and strong and healthy and to live godly and fulfilling lives, to have a joy in you. We pray that we will accept and surrender to your will. Give us guidance in every area of our lives. I pray for every man and woman here tonight. I pray for every family and household represented here. I pray that you will bring peace and sanity and understanding into all of our homes and into all of our lives this Christmas season as we celebrate the birth of your son Jesus, who came to sacrifice his life for my sins and for the sins of everyone here in this room. And so we ask you to help us appreciate that, to celebrate it, to celebrate it with a serious understanding of its significance for our eternal future. We thank you, we praise you, and we ask all of this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.